I feel like we're just going to continue to have conversations. Um, this week, we are having a conversation with AC Lang from WSOC Reading. Recap the uh, Women's Celebration Tour, as well as try to look ahead a little bit to CONCACAFW, what's at stake, what's coming through, and what have you. Liking these, liking the feedback we're getting back from them. But yeah, be on the lookout for that. If you're on the podcast, it is actually already live on YouTube. So if you want to check it out there, you can as well. But this is going to be great for driving um, or wherever you are. So sit back, enjoy our conversations, and I apologize for everyone's name who I didn't say right here. I couldn't say words that day. I really couldn't. <laughs> Anyways, enjoy the pod, guys. You look at like the Mexico matchups, right? And you yeah, see exactly. how Mexico is closing the gap there. So it's definitely worth seeing, and I'm wondering, because it's like in one half, you're thinking, okay, yeah, Jamaica looks good, but is this... Two years ago, that was nine nothing in World Cup in, in Olympic qualifiers. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's the same team, but what I'm saying is they're like uh, four years older now. So it's a it's a conversation. Well, two years older, so it's a fair conversation to kind of have as to how well they're progressing. I mean, they're definitely bringing in players. It was interesting watching like some of the Jamaican streams, and they'd be like, "Yeah, Shaw's just not fit." And I'm just like, "Oh yeah, but she's at Man City," and then everything was like. Ah, yes. Well, see, she hasn't been getting good playing time. Um, see Janine Becky. So, you know, it's mm-hmm. a thing. Um, I have no other words other than that. So maybe the Ellen White problem. <laughs> it's a thing. It's definitely a thing where you're like, yeah, but they have depth. You're allowed to use it. You're allowed to use your bench. It's It's not a terrible thing. But I mean, let's get into... We can talk on tangents for a while, but let's definitely get into everything that's happening. So April 8th, April 11th, we have the celebration tour that happened. Um, Victoria and Vancouver, respectfully. Vancouver on the 8th, 11th in Victoria. And a matchup against Nigeria, which for me, I was kind of excited to see because you don't get to see those types of countries often. And I think thinking about it before, I was like, Nigeria is an interesting choice. But about 10 minutes into the matchup, all my in my mind, I was just thinking, oh, this makes sense. This this totally makes sense. I know I pretty would want to take this squad against that squad. I mean, we had the how many players will they have for the Vancouver matchup questions that right. we were asking ourselves, which was, I mean, chaotic. It was very much chaotic. So I definitely was looking everywhere. I'm like, okay. Who are my Nigerian contacts? What is this roster? Where is this? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, it's supposed to be a 25-member roster. I'm like, okay, cool. Goes over, sees Alex. Like, there are 13 players in Vancouver. I'm like, this, this, these numbers aren't, um, they're not matching up. But, but I hope everyone makes their flights. But then you have, with Nigeria, with a lot of countries, especially the African countries, you have players playing everywhere. Right? Nigeria had players in the NWSL. They have players in... Uh, Europe, they have players in their domestic leagues, they have players playing in Israel. So it was just like, yeah, you can't necessarily say we're all going to fly to London and then we're all going to fly there. It just didn't work out as well that way. But yeah, two interesting games. What were your impressions about a hearing about Nigeria playing, but then also just kind of what the matchup possibilities could have kind of presented themselves with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was a good choice in opponent. Bev was kind of saying after the Olympics and after the tournament in um, in England that she's 
feeling very comfortable coaching against top opposition. So she wanted to kind of challenge herself and the group to play against opposition that wasn't in the top 15, 20 teams. So I think Nigeria is in like 30 something. So I think she's looking ahead to CONCACAF uh, qualifiers and hoping that Nigeria presented a similar kind of opposition as they might face in the CONCACAF qualifiers, kind of a lower block. And um, yeah, I thought it was a good choice. And I was lucky enough to go to both games. So I'm happy to dive into that in, in the podcast. Oh, Oh, yes. A very important detail that I totally forgot about. Tell me about Vancouver and Victoria. How was the experience? How were the crowds? How how did Vancouver go, especially now that there's reports that they're back into the men's 2026 bids for the World Cup? How did Vancouver kind of embrace it? I know I keep on asking questions and adding things to it, so I apologize. It's <laughs> the ADHD in me. But I mean, out west is like the home to a lot of the players on the national team. But like, how was your experience out there for the two games? Yeah, it was amazing. The excitement was huge in both cities. I think for Vancouver, they outsold the even the Whitecaps games, right? So I think it's pretty telling that there's more people rolling up to the women's games than the, the, than even the local teams. But the atmosphere was amazing. The players just looked so happy. Like they looked happy to be home. And obviously, it was a very celebratory mood. There was a lot of different things that they were celebrating. So it was just really good vibes, especially for that first game. And they played really well in that first game, too, uh-huh. so the win helped. Second game, also really cool. I've never been to the stadium in Victoria before, so it was cool to see kind of what a smaller CPL stadium looks like. I've never experienced that in Canada before. So, it's um, yeah, it was a great atmosphere as well. Packed stands, like so many excited people, and um, also really, really great atmosphere there. So generally, like, people were very excited to – finally see the team they haven't been there in a while and the players were really excited to be there oh no doubt about that I think there was a lot of really fun things about playing in Victoria which were intriguing to me haven't been there I at some point in my life I will do the tour of all the CPL stadiums and it'll be fun but like yeah just Starlight just seems like a fun intimate spot um great just when they were doing some of the pre-shots before the game, it was just interesting seeing like the layout, everything behind it. I looked and I was just like, yeah, this is happening next year. De- definitely. We're going out to a Pacific game next year. Um, and on a very ADHD moment, the Pacific kits that they're, uh, their new kits they put out. I, I don't know who at Canada soccer is listening. Make a Canadian version or inspired version of that, please. And there will be none in stock because I will buy them all. <laughs> I, I will seriously buy them all, and I have no issues with that. But no, both looked good. I, I didn't get to see the uh, Vancouver match live because um, I chose sleep on a Friday, but rewatched it afterwards. But yeah, as I was watching it, main thoughts about it were just, yeah, this is an interesting choice. But you definitely see why you'd want to play in Nigeria again. Defending low block, athleticism be to be able to throw on onto the counter and then coming through that way. It felt like a comfortable game. There were a lot of opportunities for us to score. But in the end, um, Fleming and Gilles were able to get the two goals and come away with a 2-0 win um, on that day. Also celebrating um, Steph LeBay, who I think Steph LeBay's Twitter leading up and after the game were just moments where I was just like, it's actually done? You you sure you don't want to come back, Steph? Just like another two years, just really quickly, just please? I did die laughing when I saw it. I was like, when you read, 
I forget what the tweet was, but it was essentially when you read that the temperature is like 14 degrees, but then you remember you've retired, so you're not training in the cold. I was just like, you deserve that. But no, no, come back, Steph. I, please, just one more time. Uh, but yeah, how, how were the ceremonies there in Vancouver just with the national team? It's interesting watching it, but then also just kind of taking it in in person. How was the energy for the stadium there? just a bunch like 20,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs anytime Labe or Sinclair <laughs> were mentioned and especially through the ceremony um you could just tell that it was Sinclair's home game like I saw so many Sinclair shirts and then I also saw so many Labe shirts because I think she brought like a hundred of her family members or something yeah and yeah I thought you know nice touch I thought it was interesting that Nick Bontis felt the need to put himself front and center in every single celebration shot but that's you know for another day um realistically yeah i think they they both deserved all the fanfare that they got uh-huh. and the best part was like labe pulled out some great saves during that game like there's uh-huh. moments where like there she is right and so that that the clean sheet that she got as well just a nice way to to go out yeah uh-huh. it was awesome it it really was i mean i, I hope sinclair was gonna get a goal she got close right she she had two. I think if you are a, as again, I'm trademarking everything. All these names I'm seeing, I feel like are all you. So I give you the credit for all these names. But like everything that I'm going to see from Port Lanada um, with <laughs> Becky crossing to Sinclair, I was just like, how do I watch these games on a regular basis? NWSL, please make it That's easily right. accessible for Canadians. Please and thank you. We'd like to watch. Um, but yeah, just seeing the movement there. And like, man, I I think now we can actually start looking at the matchup itself because I'm just like, mm-hmm. tell me everything. How is the food? How is everything? Okay, let's talk about the pitch here. Um, I think looking at that, it was great to see Becky on that. And I think between both games, the conversation, especially Kale and Kyle brought it up on the pregame, just where is Becky's best spot? And I think after this, it's probably not necessarily up as a winger, maybe a little bit further back so where she can traverse more, create and build up on the wings there. Ideally, maybe as a fullback, um, I'm still holding out hope for that uh, three at the back uh, with both uh, Lawrence and Becky on the wings in the midfield, pushing up with whatever combination into the formation goes. But no, seeing her being able to combine with Sinclair like that, Honestly, you for not that you forget because she hasn't played so much. As a Canadian fan, you think to yourself, "We know this is there. We just wish she could have gone out to the pitch more at Man City." But the move to the Thorns definitely opens up more playing time for her to get into more form and be able to play. But just movements, pl- players, things that stood out to you on the pitch in Vancouver specifically. I know Becky definitely stood out to me and. Sinks off ball movement just bar none. I, I kept on rewatching. I was just like, that's the thing that we're missing, and that that'll lead into other things. But who, in terms of on the pitch, stood out to you? Yeah, I think in the stadium, you really, you really noticed Fleming a lot. Mm-hmm. You kind of noticed that she was everywhere in and around mm-hmm. the ball. She really has taken that next step in terms of actually dominating games and wanting the ball. Uh, taking a next level level step in terms of um, competitiveness and like really wanting to win. So I think Fleming stood out. Uh, Becky stood out as well. Her fluidity is something that um, continues to impress me. 
she ended up playing uh, right back for a little bit in the second game, I think. But yeah, it's a good question about her position. Clearly, she has some kind of connection with Sinclair. Um, it's really, really exciting to think about what they're going to do together at Portland, for sure. Um, who else stood out? I'd say Quinn was a standout uh-huh. in both games, to be honest. Um, the defense was solid. I thought it was interesting that she, uh, Bev went with Riviere over Chapman again. So it really uh-huh. seems like Riviere does have a leg up at this mm-hmm. at this moment. Yep. Um, but yeah, Lawrence. Lawrence was good as usual. She's never bad. Kadisha's never bad. So yeah, I'd say if I had to pick three, probably Fleming, Quinn, and and Becky. No, that that's fair. I always overlook Fleming because I just see her and Fleming disappears on the pitch for me in the sense that I see her there and then there's like a calming presence of oh okay this we're good just just keep on she's still running as as we're currently tracking her she's actually still running but. Yeah, Fleming, the step she's taken, and not only just at the Olympus, but before that, moving to Chelsea, getting everything done, and just seeing her continue to blossom there, you wonder almost what her ceiling is as a player. Like, if we have reached peak Fleming, or if there's, like, another one or two levels coming, which I think there are for her, a player like her. Um, she honestly has developed so well. I The Quinn shout is actually a good one. I think they really did a good job after watching the Arnold Clark cup. And then that's a bit more of the reminder that a lot of the players, the NWSL based ones were out of season. So looking at like pitch count amount of time playing, you're looking at Quinn and you think that they definitely were going to play maybe about 60 minutes before you think, yeah, it's time to get them off the pitch. But then seeing them more into game shape and whatnot, you think to yourself, okay, this was really more of a, they weren't in season. So that's definitely fine. So Quinn's definitely a good shout I didn't mind. Desi definitely will stand out. Desiree Scott will definitely stand out in that game because of her two misses being able to come mm-hmm. up. But still, nice to see. I mean, the last we've talked about her every time we've spoken. A player where we thought it might be the end of the road, maybe at the Olympics, and then a medal just rejuvenates everything and she's ready to go again. So seeing how much longer she can hold up, it's a good and an interesting thing where the more you have players playing at top form, you give other, maybe those young players coming up a little bit more time to develop, uh, which then also opens the door for other players. But I mean, at the end of the day, you still want to see some players go through. But yeah, for my three were, were Desi, because everything from the Olympics till now, she's played well, including the Arnold Clark Cup. Um, Quinn did a good job. They were really all over the pitch. Nice calming. I know I mentioned Becky, but Fleming is just never a conversation for me anymore. I don't expect if Fleming does something that doesn't sit well on the pitch, it'll surprise me more. If the ball is mm-hmm. at her feet, I ex- I expect a certain standard from her, and she always delivers it there. So I don't even think twice about her. She's almost reached for me, and she's almost reached a level where I look at her in a Sinclair, and I'm not trying to put mm-hmm. them in the same, but the more of like the emotional feeling you have when you see them on a pitch where you're like, oh, Oh, we're good. Yep. Something good exactly. will come of this, regardless. Yeah. Plus, she scored, right? Yes. Both she she definitely both. scored. When she celebrated the goal, I thought I had a friend in at Brock who was on the wrestling team. Um, and she was like 5'7, built like a rock, and like the most, like the kindest face ever. And I told her the first time, like we talked, like, you scare me, and that is fine. And that is not a problem. 
but like the intensity that Fleming has, like you can see that. And I'm wondering like how long it'll take for that to really become the, not necessarily that the team doesn't have that identity, but like as she continues to grow as a leader, how that will permeate in the locker room with, with the players there, because it's there. You can see how she's moving. You can see how she's communicating the cues, the communications on the pitch. There's an intensity there. And when it goes from like that quiet, still intensity to outright vocal, when it might feel more like her team, I'm curious to see what that does for Canada on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she that's something she took away from Emma Hayes at Chelsea. She's mentioned mm. it in a few interviews, just that, that step up in terms of the competitive nature and training and competing against the best in the world and like wanting to win. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's probably the, the biggest reason from the UCLA to, to Chelsea now. I think that's the biggest step. Most definitely. And then, so 2-0 that game goes. Uh, we're crying because Steph LeBay is not going to play again. But we <laughs> get to send her her flowers. Shout out to Rianne Wilkinson and the rest of the uh, LeBlanc and the rest of the players who were honored for a Hall of Fames. All the names are just left my brain right when I said mm-hmm. Rianne Wilkinson. So I was like, and everyone else. <laughs> guys, everyone else. <laughs> you guys Timco, did... Timco yeah. and Randy something. Yes. Yes, I should pull this up, but I I could pull it up, but yeah, I I shan't. I shan't do it. So that game ends. We have then the friendly on the 11th. And this one was, as someone who enjoys chaos, um, this one was probably a game where I said, what, what, conceding a goal in the fifth minute? (laughs) Let's, hey, adversity, free of charge. Let's go. Let's see how we deal with this. Let's us see how we deal with this. And definitely, by that point, Nigeria has more of their full squad there. They're playing. They do rotate a little bit in the second game. We didn't go over the starting lineups for that game, but there was no Lawrence in that game. They did start off with Haidema and as the nine and Leon. Adriana had a good game in the first match when she was on the pitch. And man, I almost, I don't want to always have the, the Jordan Heidema conversation, but I do want to have it at some point. But yeah, we started off with what looked like a four a four three three with Becky as in the back, Chapman as your fullbacks, Zadorski and Buchanan as your center backs, Kylie Sheridan with the start, Scott and Quinn in the mid, and then Michelle, Leon, Fleming in the middle, and then Heidema there. You're in the stadium. You're seeing that. How do you think those players were able to kind of perform in that first half on the pitch? Yeah, so the field was definitely smaller. It's a narrow and and shorter pitch. And so that, I think, helped Nigeria in terms of their defensive block because we had much less space to exploit. Uh Um, I think we noticed that Sinclair was none. We also, I think, noticed that Labe was none. I think both of those goals were... Not necessarily goalkeeping errors, but um, it's uncharacteristically poor defensive uh, performance, I would say. And we also got scored on on two set pieces, if I'm not incorrect, or two balls two balls in, and that's also pretty atypical. Um, but it was good to kind of see them up against a challenge, and you could see that they really rallied. Uh, you could tell that they wanted to get uh, at least the win. In terms of performances, I would say uh, up top, Leon was very, uh, she worked very hard, very in- intense work ethic. Heidemann Prince, I was a little bit disappointed in. 
In the midfield, I thought um, Quinn again did a good job. Fleming did a good job for sure. I think they they a little bit struggled in terms of breaking the that midfield line. Uh-huh. And then in the back, I thought Zdorsky bossed it. She replaced Gilles pretty well. Chapman did okay. I think it's pretty clear that she has a little bit less offensive ability. Like, I don't think she really even got one cross now that I'm thinking about it. And then on the other side, I like Becky as a fullback personally. I think she really brings something to the game. And so, um, yeah, the, I think the the performance and the mindset wasn't poor. We conceded two bad goals, but it was no. good that we were able to rally back. No, definitely. I, again, the, off of a set piece defending on that first one was just, you can't fault. Heidema missed times to jump. When you look back at it, that's what happens. And then you have a loose ball in the box and... It's a scattering of kicks. As, as a keeper, that's the most chaotic spot because as the ball is coming to the ground, when I've been in those type of situations, I decide I'm about to get kicked or I'm diving frantically one way or the other. So cho- choose your poison here. Choose your adventure. So I didn't mind that one. The second goal that Nigeria scores just looked like it was just a miscommunication between D'Angelo coming in and the defender was coming in because it was like, one of them both looked as if both were going to get it, and then both didn't do it. It's a classic. Everybody thought somebody would do something, but nobody did. And then the ball's in the corner, and at that point, you're like, oh, okay, so more adversity for the free price of this evening. I'm not complaining. Let's see how they respond to this. But no, yeah, I think first half-wise, I'm looking at I'm looking at Leon, I'm looking at Haidema. Leon definitely was working everywhere. She felt like a player that was literally just, okay, she's at, she's up top, she's moved back in. Now she's trying to beat the ball to the keeper. Well done. And then we get to, the pr- Prince was invisible to me. I didn't really notice her on the pitch. I did notice Haidema because I, I think I've been having this conversation in my mind, and we've kind of had it briefly here. And the question is, like, I think when... Bev likes her 4-3-3, dropping the striker down middle, so almost playing her more as a false nine and create. And I think if you have a player like Sinclair there, that works because she can create, she can play off the midfield, and she can create those opportunities that way. But if you're going to have the striker dropping, to me, I'm almost thinking, wouldn't Leon, like as much as Leon is that striker, but wouldn't a Leon be better suited for that? Or like a Chloe Lacasse, for example. Or if you're going to play a false, just play another attacking midfielder in that role. Not to say that Heidema can't do that. Her game is not, for me, her game is not there yet. She's better off as that out-and-out nine in the box, using her height for corners, set pieces, what have you. And I think asking her to create and to combine with the midfield, she has ability to do it, but I don't think that's necessarily maximizing her abilities and her skill set right now and maybe maximizing her skill set and her abilities now is better for the team versus maybe developing. And it's a question of development and maybe becoming something greater, or you can do these three things. We're going to put you in a position to do these three things. And then again, not to say that the player won't develop again, reminder, she's still young (laughs) because like a lot of these players have been playing for a while, you feel like, man, I don't know if we're going to get anything from Haidaba. And then you're like, she's not even 21. Got you. We have time, guys. <laughs> we can relax. We have time. But, yeah, that, Haidaba, that was like the conversation I was having. And I was, I was 
texting back and forth with Aaron. I was like, how do you think about this? And they're like, back and forth, like, like, I know. So I don't know. What do you think about that? Am I wrong? Am I right? Again, I don't need to be right here. But what's your thoughts on just positioning and Haidema? Yeah, I agree that her best position isn't the false nine. I think realistically she needs to be leading the line. Um, but when Bev plays in that formation, um, she does play a little bit deeper. I think realistically she's not in the best form right now. She probably isn't at max confidence because she hasn't really been playing that much at club level uh-huh. uh, for a while now. And so, yeah, I agree with you. She's young. We'll ha- we still haven't found her best position on this team, I don't think. And she still hasn't developed the ability to really dominate a game. Like you don't notice that Heidem is on in the same way as what you notice when St. Clair is on, uh-huh. even all the off off ball movement is probably the biggest difference yes. as well. But to be fair to Jordan though, like she did pick up an assist on, on Zdorsky's goal. And so even when she's not playing the most dominant game or not in the best form, she still manages to kind of squeak in some assists or goals, right? I think she has one goal, two assists on, on the, on the year so far and in like four or five games. So she, she, she's still kind of racking up some of the stats and yeah, I think as long as Sinclair is still um, in that role, she's Jordan's going to have more time. She Mm. has time still. She does definitely. And I know like I did it. I have, I have a thing where I like to watch games with just the sound of the crowd. So like I didn't do commentary at all. Mm I, I just like that experience more. I, I don't want to be influenced one way or the other. So I'm just like, okay, what's happening? How did the what's... crowd sound? The crowd sounded all right. Like, I think comparing the crowd in Vancouver versus Victoria, you definitely felt they were intimate in two different ways, right? In Victoria, it felt intimate because it felt like everyone was in a building. So, like, that echoing aspect, it felt closed in in Victoria because, again, the pitch is smaller. The crowds are literally right there. They're on top of everything. So you definitely could feel it when things were happening. You, there were some lulls in it, but I mean, that can kind of happen when you're playing a team that is just defending and just doing their best to take the air out of a game, which is fine. But when they came alive, it was like, okay, they're here. They're here. One sink came on. You heard the roar. just like, okay, they're here. We're good. We're, we're good. And then one sink scores, then it's Okay, you you hear the the five Voyagers who are trying to make sounds in the corner. It's like, <laughs> well done, guys. I know it's just the five of you, but you tried. You, you tried. Well you did done. your best. Exactly. Well, the fun thing about the Nigeria game was the drums. The Nigerian fans brought drums, and so that really added something to it. No, it is. It's there. Are, there's aspects about watching, which is why, again, being Ghanaian descent. So, like when I see that, I'm like, that's home. <laughs> that's just all the home, <laughs> all the feels. Man, I was telling someone I did when I recorded with um, Adam last week, we were talking about like the, the Nigeria Ghana matchup and like the stadium where they played. My aunt literally has a house right outside the stadium for where they played. So I'm watching that on YouTube. I'm like, it's home. It's home. <laughs> I've, I literally would see this for an entire summer. This is this is so fun. It's amazing. That's awesome. But yeah, but like, honestly, having that really does bring it. And I think if you're going to have that type of environment, in Canada, you might as well just get Nigeria there to kind of counteract with the with the five again the five voyages guys. You you tried, you really did your best there, but that I don't the, get it though. Like the voyagers are supposed to be a fan group for both teams, but every women's game that I've gone to, they've just been in such pathetic numbers that like it might as well not be there. 
it is something, it is a trend that I have noticed. And I don't know if it's just the expectations going into it, which kind of bothers me because I think the environment, like the, the, the game day environment is built by the Voyagers. So if there are a chance, and I was seeing on Twitter and it's a fair point, if you're going to be there, do a better job at communicating, right? If there are a chance they need to know, do a better job. I knew all the chances that were going to happen for the Jamaica-Canada matchup for the World Cup because everyone was sending them. People were, like, DMing me messages, like, if you're going to be there, know these things. I'm like, I'm going to be in my basement, but thank you still. I love it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a... It's unfortunate because I feel like for that team and on the women's side, it's like if anyone deserves that environment, it's definitely them. You should, it shouldn't have to feel like you, and again, no insult on the people who are doing it. It shouldn't have to feel like you have to rely on the people who are doing the wave to get everyone excited for a game and get the energy up. There are voyagers there and like looking in the Vancouver one, it was just like, eh, you, you guys could have brought more than five, but apparently you, you didn't. We all have lives. That's fine. But, I think there's a, there's definitely another level that they can definitely hit in terms of creating that game day experience for all national teams, not just the men, all the national teams, especially the ones who, you know, win things um, um, on a international right, level. Right. So Exactly. And so, I mean, I went to the men's qualifiers. I went to like four of the games and like mm-hmm. it could not have been more different just volume wise. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like the chanting and the flags even like. If every single section in him in the Hamilton game had like dozens of flags. I didn't see one Voyager's flag at either of the games this time. I saw scarves and they don't count as flags, but I saw scarves. No, it, it's definitely, it was definitely a thing where I was just like, man, it would take it to a whole new level. But it's unfortunately another thing that we have to put under the category of, Oh, it's something we have to be better at, guys. So let's be better at it. Under the same conversation of, you know, we just have to have a league for the women's guys. We just have to be better at it. And Mm -hmm. just everything else that kind of falls into that. It's not even a shucks go lucky, but just like we wish it was better, but we could just do better at it. So that's kind of where it sits and where it fills. Second half of this game, I know we kind of covered some of the goals. We kind of covered there. We had, where's my game recap? There's my game recap. Oh, right. So Sabrina D'Angelo comes comes in. That was fine. Deanne Rose came in. Grosso came in. Sinclair came in. Gabrielle Carl came in. And according to Google, <clears throat> Zoe McKenzie Shabbat Burns. Mm, Shabbat. <laughs> Shabo, Cabo, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, totally unrelated. I have this thing where, like, I was going through when I did a live for the U20 men's team, I was reading a name and then I forgot that I could speak French. So I'm reading mm-hmm. a name like Luke de Forgue de Roll. Um, and then I was like, he's born in Paris. Luke de Fougeral. Okay, we're here. Like, why are we struggling? <laughs> Why are we struggling? But I think one of her parents actually is from Quebec, so probably it is the Quebec or the French pronunciation. Yeah, I thought it was great. She made her debut. I was, I guess, I was a little bit surprised that um, Bev did end up giving her her debut in, in a game like that because other players that she could have uh, used didn't get in. But yeah. I thought she did pretty well. Um, she didn't. She wasn't as dominant 
obviously as she was with the U20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know she was actually right footed. I thought she was left footed. She, maybe she uses both. Um, but she, um, yeah, I thought she did pretty well. She ended up switching to the right side when, uh, when Carl came in. So yep. that shows her versatility as well. The substitutions, Sinclair made a huge difference. Yes. I think, uh, everyone can acknowledge that, um, starting with the goal, but also just the off, off ball movement. Like I said, um, Grosso, I'm kind of still a little bit unimpressed with, I don't know if she really has found that next level yet. Um, she's on her way there, but, um, like I said, a little bit disappointing, but I did like seeing Quinn move to defensive midfield, which I think is where we'll see them uh, once Scott retires. So that, mm-hmm. that was good to see them play there. And then the other substitution was, I mean, D'Angelo did let that goal in. And, and Rose, I can't say I noticed her too much after she came in. No, definitely. I mean, the D'Angelo goal, I mean, once she came in, she had the first initial save, which was like two minutes into the second half. And I was just like, and welcome to the game. Welcome. Just outretch, stretch, and do what you got to do there. No, I think, yeah, Sink coming in, that goal, the entire buildup of that goal, I was sitting there and literally I was just like, this is reckless, guys. What are you? What are you? <sighs> that was reckless. You know, the second I saw Sinclair, like the goalie's passing to the center back, I'm like, no, no, this is reckless, guys. Just. Just clear it. Just no, you're not going to. Okay, tie game. Cool, tie game. We're here. This this is lovely, but yeah. In terms of that, I'm I'm happy. I'm I, again off initial. You said this on Twitter. And it's true. I'm surprised out of the U20s, only Zoe was able to get called up here, which I'm not sure if that says more about what the fullback depth currently is versus not. I still think the fullback depth is pretty good, um, but I think that was initially before moving. Becky back there. I think with Becky mm-hmm. back there, it does build you a little bit of time. Um, I'm still crossing my fingers for that three at the back, that three four three. I'm, it'll work. Yeah, I would have thought that we'd see it. Honestly, I thought we would see it this window, but we didn't. They only called back three. They only called up three center backs though. So like, unless you're going to play all three in the second game and then kind of go with it that way. Or they could have put Quinn there. I thought initially, because yeah. that's when I was like, okay, maybe they can put Quinn there or they could put Desi back there and let them. Schmidt can play there as well. Exactly. So giving yourself that flexibility to try it, and that way you can push up a little bit more. That would have been a bad idea. And then plus, it's it's akin to like what the men did against Costa Rica where they started Tiba in the middle because you're playing a team that's going to defend, so you're not as afraid to push up a, a center back into the fray while leaving Buchanan and wh- wh- whether it's strat- bleh, I can't say names today, apparently. <laughs> wow. Come on. You can do it. Say your words. Big words. There we go. Stratagakis. No, no. Why, who am I thinking of? What am I doing? Zadorsky. Sorry. Mm. See, this, this is Aaron's fault, okay? Because Aaron's <laughs> been such a Stratagakis, like, fanning that in my mind, I'm like, Huge. I want to see her. Which, by the way, comes to the point that you didn't mention. I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get to see her. I thought mm-hmm. she could have offered something interesting, and especially in this type of environment. What better way to see how good a player can play um, than it's like, hey, we're chasing the goal. You have to be a little bit creative. Let's see you try to be a little risky. Get some passes together. Break down these lines. See what we can develop. But, I mean, of all the subs, all six subs, they weren't. I have no complaints. Just, you know, I wish there were six other, maybe a couple other players that could have gone in. But, no. 
Yeah, that, even Pickett didn't get a look. Yeah. Aladu didn't get a look. So we really only used four midfielders. We used Scott, Fleming, Quinn, and Grosso. Those are the only midfielders we saw. Which, right? yeah. And again, it and this is not a thing against Grosso. I think I would have liked to see someone else, right? Because in my mind, I'm like, if this is, I know what I have. Can I do better? Or is there something that's something different here? I would have liked to have seen that especially, but we weren't able to see it, which kind of does tip the hand for probably the four main midfielders are Scott, Quinn, Fleming, and Grosso, which isn't a bad four. Um, I'm not sure what the squad limits are for CONCACAF W. I would assume it's 23, but... Yeah, I think so. But that still gives you that number kind of wish unfortunate with uh aaron mcleod's injury beforehand as well just because it would have been nice to see her maybe go three but i mean if i'm reading the tea leaves we've seen sheridan and d'angelo twice now right so it feels like that's the that's the tandem that you're working with so i mean mary mary maybe maybe there's a chance for McLeod to get back in, but right now it's looking like the goalie tandem is Sheridan and D'Angelo, which, again, as as the well-in person that I am, I, I don't mind that whatsoever. No, I think Sabs is pretty good. She's taken a, a few steps in Sweden, uh-huh. uh, kind of more commanding in, in the box, good presence in the box for sure. I asked Erin McLeod actually field side how her knee, knee was because she was signing my shirt, and she was like, oh, it's okay, I'll be back in about like three, four weeks. Okay. So it looks like it was, you know, nothing major. Maybe it's just something um, that's been nagging her. Uh-huh. Um, but I agree with you. I think those are the top two. And I think Sabs is actually closer to Sheridan than some people might think. Interesting. For for purposes of Well and Pride, I am going to cherish that thought and never let it go. Uh, but no, that's... Um, no, that that's a that's a good point to bring up because I mean after you would expect it to be Sheridan, but hey, if Sab is closer than we were probably thinking, that does open up. So a win and a draw. Do we count the Mexico games as the celebration tour or do we just count them as friendlies? That was the celebration uh, away tour, I guess. <laughs> okay, so then the complete celebration tour is three wins, two draws, and a loss. Which isn't terrible against new against a co-host of the World Cup, arguably the third best team in Concacaf and the best African side. I yeah. I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. We're not throwing shade at the U.S. for playing Uzbekistan. We're just saying that I don't mind it at all. I don't know why I have to bring them up because now it seems like I am throwing shade at them. But <laughs> regardless, I think it's it's a good challenge, and I think the New Zealand matchups were great, but. Playing in Mexico and then following that up with Nigeria, you definitely see where, like, some of the... I know you didn't catch most or any of the CONCACAF qualifiers for the women's, but the top teams, I mean, Mexico showed their class as per usual. Your Jamaicas, Costa Ricas, your Haiti just apparently just chose violence and chose goals every <laughs> game. There were, like, three teams we got beat, like, 20 nothing, And it was just like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what this means, but... Good luck, everyone else. But yeah, that it does make it interesting on that aspect. You know, some teams are going to defend well and they're going to have the athleticism to counter, which is why I think 10 minutes into the first Nigeria matchup, I said to myself, this matchup makes sense. 
I will not doubt you, Bev. I will not. <laughs> not a problem. So I think there were some talks that potentially there is another friendly, maybe two coming up in the June window before mm. the CONCACAF W, which is July 4th to the 18th. The draw for that is April 18th, which should be, according to my trusty calendar, when this... It's my phone, guys. It's, it's definitely my phone. It will be... I think it's... Yeah, it's the Tuesday. Okay. It's next week, Tuesday, which this is also going up next week, Tuesday. So our mate our, on, on podcasts <laughs> will go up on Wednesday on YouTube. It'll be up on Tuesday. So depending on when you're listening to, the draw's already set. So editing magic, guys. And here are the matchups. <laughs> Wonderful. But you no, know, I think how they have it set up, according to the one article I read, so... Canada and U.S. are in their own pot, so then they're putting in pots based off of ranking. So Costa Rica and Mexico are in pot two. Uh, Trinidad and I'm um, Trinidad and Haiti are in pot four, and Jamaica and Panama are in pot three. It makes it interesting because I've been on a lot of Jamaican streams and talking. The thing I've been saying is, you probably want to avoid the group that Mexico is in, um, just mm-hmm. because based off where they are. The top four teams in the groups, so one and two, both make it automatically to the World Cup in uh, New Zealand and Australia, um, to which if I'm saying this now, Kate, if you need tickets because Canada has not lost a match that you've played, get into these DMs. I will pay your fare. I The goal, the World Cup is coming to Canada, okay? So bring that trophy home. I will pay to get you to Australia. If you guarantee us wins, I will do so. But... Yeah, so the top four move on, and then the third places again hasn't been confirmed yet because one article says the, the Concacaf rules say the third place teams in each group play each other, and they become the point five, and they play the intercontinental playoff. Um, the other article I read said both third place teams go to intercontinental playoff. So if you finish in third, like I said in my previous video, you are still eligible for the World Cup. So that's good to know but then with CONCACAF W semi-finalists play the finalists the winner automatically goes to the world uh, to the Olympics the Paris 24 second place plays the winner of the third place matchup and an aggregate home and away setup Uh, CONCACAF will set that up so if you're Canada you definitely just want to you know follow up the gold medal by a the CONCACAF W trophy because you know champions breed champions and that would be great and so we don't have to play the third place team if we make it there but that looks interesting and exciting to kind of see how it is again not having watched any of the teams but based off of what you know of them going through are you pretty confident that Canada is making it to the world cup do you have concerns more importantly we kind of mentioned this how do you see that gap between the top two and then the remaining six is the closing. What do you think? Yeah, I think the gap is closing for sure. I think the the region is kind of getting closer together slowly but surely. I think the biggest increase has been through Mexico. We recently saw that when we lost to them in December. And so I think we probably are going to the World Cup. I don't think we'll mess that up. Um, I think it, if we don't win the gold in the Cap W, it, realistically could get a little bit dicey if we have to play 
Mexico, for example, in that in that aggregate score game to get to Paris. Uh, but I think realistically, we do have a very good chance of making both tournaments. And in terms of who I would want in the group, I agree avoiding Mexico would be good. I think my second one to avoid would probably be Jamaica if we could. Um, If we could avoid Jamaica and Mexico, that would be great. I just remember Jamaica from the 2019 World Cup. I thought they actually played quite well. Mm -hmm. You know, it's definitely a program that has definitely been growing. You see Kadisha Shaw at Man City, um, Tiffany Cameron, the Mississauga native who um, scored a goal there. And it's just been, you see them coming. um, You worry about them because they are under the same federation that the men were. So you hope that the men, that they don't bottle it up like they did with the men and have it turn terrible. Because for them to make two straight World Cups would be great for their program, the funding that it gives them. And plus, it opens doors for other players, especially with the opportunities for for potential duels that they have access to, not only in England, but also in in North America specifically. Um, There's definitely a lot of players that come through the the collegiate system is the feeder system to most of CONCACAF. And I think if you mm-hmm. add in a Canadian Premier League for on the women's side, that creates more opportunities. I mean, the way that some – because I follow some Jamaican content creators, they're just like, yeah, this uh, lady is playing uh, League One in BC, and they signed for this club for the thing. And I'm just like, well, they're taking our League One seriously. Man, just, just wait until we have a league. This will be, mm-hmm. be a thing. Ah, but no, I, I definitely shout that out. Mexico definitely is a team. I, I'm wondering what Costa Rica gives us, though. That mm-hmm. is a team that I've been curious with. Because they yeah, definitely, they, I mean, they are ranked fourth in the region for a reason. So it's like almost, um, it's definitely feel like they definitely, yeah, they're there for a reason. So I want to see how they're able to perform in another group and see what the gap, the gap between fourth, the, fourth and fifth and third and sixth that is what i'm curious about and then that team i mean haiti put up a bunch of goals so i'm wondering if that comes they're able to come through with that but i mean ultimately it is the question of how well can you adapt when you're in a round robin like that i always say it's how quickly can you make the other team do the thing they don't want to do first and if you can do that then that you basically have a good control of the game and what's going on there so We'll see. We'll yeah, keep... I guess we'll we'll yeah. find out July fourth to eighteenth. Right? We will. In looking the... forward to it. Yes, and so there's that on July fourth to the eighteenth. Also, there's the U seventeen W's, which starts on the twenty third. Um, so mm-hmm. that is definitely something that will be um, all the fun to watch. Still wondering where we're going to be watching it from, but we'll definitely try to keep everyone posted once we have a little bit more information on that. But there's U17 coming up for if you're in Canada, Ontario specifically. League One starts this coming weekend. So, guys, make mm-hmm. sure if you have a League One team, if you are already supporting a CPL team, if you are already supporting an MLS team, there are a lot of good League One teams that are starting. I know St. Catharines Roman near me. I will be attending their games and definitely supporting them because it's great to have something that can support. And with the things coming up, there's, there's a video I'm working on of what I think some of the developments in League One might mean. Um, I've already talked to, talked to AC about a lot of them before, but just want to kind of put that in and see what everyone thinks about it. But no, this has been a fun, quick recap on the women's team there, AC from W Soccer. I will still call it Woe Soccer because for the first two months <laughs> I saw it, I thought it said Woe. So it's like, yeah, Woe Soccer. Like 
love it. So definitely I'll leave her information in the description and whatnot. But guys, thank you for spending a little bit of time for us and giving us that time to discuss the national team. All national teams need to be covered because we can't grow the sport if we don't cover all the aspects of it. So let's make sure that we're paying attention to what's happening on both the men and the women's side. There is a reality that if the women get to the World Cup, we could be watching Canada in two World Cups in about an eight-month time frame, which is insane because the World Cup is in December and then the other one's in there. So I will be visiting my sister in Australia next summer for reasons. Um, So I will definitely find myself there. But yeah, guys, thank you for spending some time with us. Really do appreciate it. And uh, make sure you give uh, AC a follow on her content as well. She does a lot of great stuff. She has informed me so much on women's soccer and I will continue (laughs) to learn from her. When I grew up, I want to be like her. So guys, thanks so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Not a problem, AC. All right. Bye-bye for now.